Welcome to Millennial Falcon, a pop culture podcast by three geeky millennials. My name is Hwai Chen Bu, I'm a writer for Slash Film and a pop culture journalist in DC, and I'm joined by... I am Ani Crittenden, a writer at Gay Star News. And I am Willoughby Dobbs, a filmmaker in the DC area. So, uh, today's episode is a little bit different than anything we've ever done before, I think. We are rating straight white men. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. Particularly four. Uh, they all happen to be named Chris, and they're all in superhero movies. Uh, three of them in the MCU, three of them in the last Marvel movie. Um, there are too so, many white Chris's. <laughs> so we're talking about the Chris's, um, or as I like to say, crisscross. <laughs> or uh chris fire i haven't decided a name yet but i like both. very clever though um so the first four chris's to, to ever live on this earth um <laughs> and the last to ever live on this and earth. the last they are True. the alpha and the omega they are no gods no kings just chris's um <laughs> we've got chris pratt chris hemsworth chris pine and chris evans captain america himself um so, we've all got various opinions on who the best Chris is, but this is going to be a like a discussion on their careers, their their personas, who we may have liked in the past when he was on a sitcom, and maybe he don't like <laughs> now. Um, and shade already, and also um, those type of Chris's that uh, show up in movies past, and then they're big heroes, and they're like, wait a minute, he was in that movie? Holy crap! Um, so, why don't we get started, guys? Yeah, this is going to be a very so, serious discussion. Very serious. It's going so, to be more heartbreaking. It's going to be like, are they breaking up the band? Like, is this a civil war of Millennial Falcon? <laughs> we'll find out. So, how it's going to work is we're going to discuss each of the four Chris's separately. Discuss kind of our thoughts on them, our thoughts on their careers, and kind of how they present themselves. Um, we're going to do it alphabetically, so it's going to go Evans, Hemsworth, Pine, Pratt... And then at the end of the episode, we will all give our official vote on who we think is the best Chris. So, are you guys ready? I'm ready. I'm ready to uh, win at this game. I don't know what game we're playing. <laughs> so, let's talk about one of the wokest Chris's. And that would be Chris Evans. He is the wokest. He fights Nazis in on screen and on Twitter. Exactly. He's... I feel like that's been a big, like, push for him because he's just so, like, Chris Evans as a human being is so wonderful. Because I think out of the four, well, none of the three good ones. <laughs> Do throw shade the whole episode. It's fine. Um, I think he's probably actually, like, not one of the best actors out of the Chris's. No. He's not one of the best, but he's always a... He's always a um, reliable talent, I will say. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I would say that in Chris Chris Evans has had a, has, a uh, has had an evolution in his career because he's gone from playing like the rom com lead to like the funny jerk to playing like badass heroes. I feel like. Yeah, I and I I, I like where he's at now because um, it's almost like in every movie he's just playing Captain America. Like even in like a movie like Gifted. Which where I, he's playing with the uncle. <laughs> which I watched on a plane and cried horrendously. Like Is I was like, a good movie? streaming that my was face in the middle of a plane. It's a, it's 
Is it affecting? It's an affecting it's movie. Affecting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is. It, it's exactly what you expect it to be. But it's like, it's like Chris Evans has kind of like adopted this persona of who he is through Captain America and just his politics. And now he's just playing these like good, like staunchly noble good guys in films. Which and, is not what he oh, hasn't always played. Cause he's, and I'm, you know, but I'm, I'm down for that. Cause I, 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 lo- I like it more than his past, like, Johnny Storm, what's your number? It's like fratty broy sort of uh, yeah. persona. Yeah. Uh, Scott Pilgrim, Sunshine. Oh no, he's different in Sunshine. But yeah, the Nanny Diaries, the Losers. He's a leading man, losers. and he, he Losers is great, but it's basically his Johnny Storm role, but without powers. Yeah, true, but he, it's a good movie. He looks like a leading man, and he's living up to that expectation. Although it's really interesting to me too that he seems to be sort of rejecting that at this point. He really, every time we talk, he, he talks about being in the MCU, he, you can kind of tell that he's glad to leave it at some point. Yeah. And now he's talked, he's doing more directing and doing stuff behind the scenes. And he's even talked about uh, leaving the acting like field altogether and just doing directing and stuff like that. Yeah, like he talked about, um, he directed that movie Before We Go, which is basically like a Before Sunrise like type of movie. Yeah, it did not um, get great reviews. No, it didn't. But hopefully he has like other things he can do. I liked his role in Not Another Teen Movie, where he's make, basically making fun of like the Freddie Prince Jr. character. That was his <laughs> first role, I think. Was it his first role? 2001? Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Wait, hold on. I'm going, scrolling through here. I kind of like that he's like rejected like what you were talking about, H.T., like rejected that kind of leading man thing, because he doesn't feel as as kind of... He lacks some of the charisma and dynamic elements of being a leading man that I think someone like George Clooney has more. Mm-hmm. But I like that he's so earnest in what he does, and I think that really works for the type of roles he started to choose, and I hope he takes that also into his directing. And so I feel like he's kind of rejected this, like, I'm just going to like not be on this pedestal and be like this handsome leading man for you guys. Like, I have this, like, niche that I that works well for me because he's such a bleeding heart, just like mm-hmm. wonderful person. I could see him at some point just leaving Hollywood altogether and working for like humanitarian organizations and stuff. Right. I think of all the Chris's, he is probably like the best person. Me, me saying this as someone who knows him, uh, not at all. And has never met him in yeah. my life. Uh, like PSA, none of us know the Chris's personally. <laughs> However, there is, there is one Chris. I will challenge you on that. And oh, okay. Get, for me, it's, I think he's, as person, like, best person, mm-hmm. he kind of ranks up there with Pine for me. Okay, okay. I can see that. We'll get we'll get to that, but. Yeah, uh, as personality-wise, Evans uh, really towers over, I feel like, the other Chris's, whereas his acting ability is kind of so-so, but I respect that he understands that, and he's trying to branch mm-hmm. out more into other fields and other um, areas that he might be more comfortable or just trying to test, like, experiments with. Let's put it this way. If Chris Pratt, I mean, if Chris Evans took the super soldier serum, he would just be a gooder version of himself. Yeah, he'd just be like a, he would actually have like the strength that the like fake in movies, like he would literally be himself. Like he is Steve Rogers. Yes. More or less. And like, we all know how much Steve Rogers is perfect and how much I love him. So like, of course I love Chris Evans. Of course we all do. Like, it's hard not to when he's such a good guy. Exactly. Like, did you guys see him and his brother appear on Seth Meyers? I did no. not. Oh my god. 
watch this interview. We'll link it in the blog. It's one of the most delightful interviews ever. But they placed, basically played a game of like how well the brothers know each other. And little just one little tidbit about Chris Evans you need to know. When he was younger, and he was like in elementary school, he told all his students, all his classmates, that his father worked for like NASA and was like an astronaut. And he started charging his classmates money and saying, my dad can get you into space, <laughs> but you have to like pay me for like a ticket, like a spot. And I, Chris Evans, guys. That's He's cute. a regular old Calvin. That's cute. I think that like, that gives him another air of mischief that you don't see a lot of him now. Uh, yeah. It's, it feels like he's been almost like sanded back to like being this really ultimately good, staunch person. But then you realize that, you know, he does have like sort of a twinkle in his eye sometimes, like with exactly. that cute childhood story <laughs> and like the way that he like always grips his boob and laughs. <laughs>, <laughs> the best. Also, he loves his dog and that is always a big win for me. Mm-hmm. So why don't we move on to the next Chris uh, in the alphabet, and that is Chris Hemsworth. Yes? Guys, I'm so glad people are starting to see Chris Hemsworth as more than just a hunky body. I'm so glad. I really like, I'm going to go first for his career, because I really like that he, you know, he kind of has that same sort of... um, niche as Chris Evans in that he looks and he acts like a leading man. There's a really interesting part in the Captain in the Woods uh, commentary by Joss Whedon and uh, Drew Goddard, and they're talking about how... Oh, no, wait, sorry. Uh, yeah, they're talking about how... Um, Chris Hemsworth, this was before he became like a really big with Thor, he has like this moment where he he like turns and, and Joss is like, that's the hero moment. And he's like... And I, you can tell from then that like there's going to be great things for Chris Hemsworth in the future. He just has that, like, both the hero's jaw, essentially, like Chris Evans, too. But I really yeah. like that he, in his career, has kind of um, rallied against that. And he's taking on these hilarious comedic roles and has proven to be one of the best beautiful comedic actors out there right now. He is such... He's, like, becoming, like, an Australian John Hamm. Yeah, who he just who completely rejects, like, his own movie star good looks and just kind of exactly. does the weirdest, silliest roles. And it works because it's so, so subversive of their, their image. And Chris Hemsworth like does Ghostbusters that. Ghostbusters is so funny. So funny. I want to talk about Ghostbusters because he's brilliant in that. And I think people, like, people laugh, but they don't give him enough credit. So you know that scene where he's wearing the glasses and he rubs his eye through the glasses. Yeah. I love that scene. He improvised that scene. Did he really? Oh, I believe it. I believe yeah. it. Yeah. And Chris I'm just like, is so funny. Like, Chris Hemsworth is so funny. Yeah, he's, I'm, yeah. He's hilarious. Just even the, um, the, the cro- Crocodile Dundee commercials oh, the crocodile that, were, Dundee. that ended up being <laughs> fake. Uh, I was like, I really want to see this movie with Chris Hemsworth and do like a, him see him doing like a comedic take on it and i was like that's a movie i would love to watch and i think that chris hemsworth could easily carry that and be like the next big comedy star and i really like that he's sort of uh branching out in that area it's kind of like how channing tatum did the same thing yeah uh, and how channing tatum like started off as a really good looking generic leading man but then discovered that his talent was in comedy and he became one of the most interesting like comedy character actors and third act scene stealers in like the later half of the current eighth era of his career i think chris hemsworth is um could potentially be in that arena yeah and i think oh go ahead willoughby i was just gonna say i'm looking at his career like he had his one the the brief 
uh, scene in Star Trek 2009 as George Kirk, um, also with Chris Pine. So, you know, there's that. Um, and then there's Cabin in the Woods and then Thor. And then that's kind of like he became like a massive hit after that. Um, he doesn't have a lot of bit parts. He doesn't have a lot of small roles after that. He's got Red Dawn and uh, Snow White and the Huntsman and then the Huntsman sequel. But like for the most part, like he's either the leading man or in Ghostbusters and Vacation as like the fun supporting funny character. And I think I but he and he kind of blends the both in Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, I think he kind of got like typecast a little bit after the first Thor. Yeah. With like Snow White and the Huntsman and Red Dawn and stuff. They were just like Thor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they were just like, ah, like this big good looking action hero. And I'm glad that he's like he, he does it well. He does, but I'm glad he's also rejected it somewhat, and he's like, I can do other things, and I can do them well. And I would also say, in terms of, like, action hero, I think he's probably the best MCU hero. I think he's had the best arc. I think he's kind of had the best, just, like, Oh, how could you? How could you compare your boy Steve with Thor, though? They're both your boys, but they are both Steve my boys. Steve hasn't had a character. Steve, Steve hasn't had character growth since the Winter Soldier. That's true. That's the thing is, I like I love Steve. I love him to death. But I feel like Thor has just been through more and had more of a character arc than Steve in the MCU. I would I would honestly put Thor and probably Tony at the top, mm-hmm. biggest Tony with his PTSD and everything. But I think Thor. Is a lot more than people give him credit for, and like the idea of becoming like just an arrogant prince to a king who cares for his people. And I think Chris Hemsworth has done a really good job at that character. And, and it felt it I feels love like him. a consistent character, despite all the different writers coming to tackle him and kind mm-hmm. of inconsistently characterizing Thor throughout the movies. It still feels like Chris Hemsworth really shines through, and like a lot of the Thor success really uh, depended on just like Chris Hemsworth charisma. So Agreed. I, yeah, Chris Hemsworth, I think. Um, I do want to say also, personality-wise, uh, there's been some interesting things that I've seen uh, on Twitter where he has shown really big support for the, um, uh, what, what was the pipeline? Dakota Pipeline. Oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. so I wanted to talk about this, too, because, like, this is a great moment of, like, who he is, because, like, it kind of started when pictures surfaced of him at like a new year's party and it was like cowboys and indians themed and he was wearing like first nation clothing Mm -hmm. and everyone kind of slammed him for it rightfully so and instead of getting defensive or anything like he basically made this long statement when saying like i see why this was wrong and like i'm like i'm teaching myself and i'm learning and like you know like i'm i'm sorry for my actions and stuff and he was like and he and taika posted a photo of like him of them like supporting the like protests for the pipeline and everything. Mm-hmm. And so he just like he made a good move with that one. He he grew and learned. Yeah. I think he's a really good example too of like growing beyond his um his old I don't know, I want to say persona, but like his old sort of beliefs and old sort of uh habits. And that's always yeah. really good to see with celebrities. I think Evans and Hemsworth are the are the frattiest of the Chris's. Uh, maybe. Um, but they're the most who have outgrown it, I feel like. Yes, definitely. Yeah. I completely agree. Yeah. But I would put, I would put Hemsworth an edge over him, just ed- an edge over Evans, because Hemsworth has that comedic talent, and he knows that he's trying to get out of that sort of hero typecast and expand himself a little more as a really good, just like, 
scene stealing character actor, and I hope that he pursues that in the future. I feel like between Ragnarok and Infinity War, Hemsworth has started to like edge up his way up like the Chris debate, mm-hmm. yes. and people are seeing more than just like the hunky Australian. Yes, agreed. Which, to be fair, is also a good part of his persona. He is very attractive. They're and Australian. All these men are beautiful men, by the way. Yes, it's true. And his Australian, like, I love that. Like, he's talked about this before in interviews. How they like he like lived in L.A. and then he decided like it wasn't for him. And so like he and his wife and their kids like moved back to Australia and they have like a home there, and like they're raising their kids there. And he just talks so warmly of Australia. Mm-hmm. And I like you- that he like hasn't lost that. Speaking Part of being of a family man, do you remember that picture of Chris Hemsworth with his newborn child, but it looked like he was holding a burrito? Yes. Because his arms are so huge. Yes. It's so funny. <laughs> it's like that. It's like the rock photo of his new baby girl. Where she's mm-hmm. like on his chest and his hand is like the size of her whole body. Right. That's hilarious. And All right. You're like, okay. <laughs> Let's move on to Chris number three. And that's. I won't, I, won't, I, won't, I won't spoil it, but it's Chris Pine. It is. It's Chris Pine. Yeah, I know. Um, so Chris Pine, guys. I Honestly, I feel like I can't talk about him without just giving away my feelings. Because it's just going to have to come out. Um, Chris Pine, to me, is definitively the best Chris. I will say it again in my vote, but I can't talk about him and not give that away. And I think he's the most underrated Chris bothers me so much that people don't give him enough credit i think after wonder woman and wrinkle in time people are starting to give him a little more credit but like he has been deserving of that credit people should have years people should have given credit back in hell or high water they should have given credit back in into the woods they should have given credit back in princess diaries too a royal engagement star trek like i like i'm sorry like he deserves credit like in 2009 when he did star trek Mm -hmm. oh and he did such a great kirk without being a shatner impression yeah, and because he got I to think, the essence of the character, I feel like. Mm-hmm. And all those movies you listed, HT like Star Trek, Princess Diaries, Into the Woods, he Hell has, or High Water. He has range. He has he the most is, range of all the Chris's. Mm-hmm. He is objectively, objectively the best actor. He's also in the the 2006 iconic movie Just My Luck with Lindsay Lohan. <laughs> <laughs> He's had his his uh duds too but you can tell that he always gives his all in every film he's definitely had the most varied i feel like in terms of like of the four chrises he's had the most rom-coms under his belt evans doesn't have too many rom-coms i don't think hemsworth has a rom-com wait pine has more rom-coms than than evans hey but there's there's this means war princess diaries 2 this means war um technically people like us i would say is more like a romantic dramedy um uh you've got just my luck um blind dating what is blind dating? small town saturday night <laughs> what? and what? uh that's 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 it but like he's got a lot of like rom-coms and then he that's, does star so trek charming have you seen those baby blues oh those baby blues just true. you want to melt true. in them or drown in them either or i mean no shade no shade we've talked about how much rom-coms are underrated and they're great um but I feel like he's gone from being like a rom-com lead to then he was in Star Trek and then he's now like headlining movies all the time. He was in Jack Ryan. He was in uh, Unstoppable, which is the train version of uh, 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 Speed. Um, there, you've got The Finest Hours, which is like uh, like The Perfect Storm, but not. Um, it takes place in the 40s. Um, 
You've got... He's, yeah, he's, he's done a horrible, lot of different things. He was in Horrible Bosses 2 as one of the Horrible he Bosses. He was a scene stealer in Horrible Bosses 2. Yeah. <laughs> he was hilarious that was people started that. to really notice, oh, he could be really funny. Yeah. And I mean, people, you should notice that also with Into the Woods, because his performance of Agony it's is hilarious. hysterical. It's so good. It's so good. And, so he's, Anya, you recently rewatched this, uh, 2012's This Means War. That movie is so good, you punk Tom Hardy and like, Reese Witherspoon. This means war is so good, you guys. I don't care about your snobby film opinions. It's literally just Tom Hardy and Chris Pine out-charming each other to win Reese Witherspoon. And if there is a better premise than that for a movie, I've never heard it. But they're also spies. That's the fun part. And they're spies. No, I'm ashamed it's, to say I haven't seen This Means War yet. And oh, it's it seemed very like something very up my alley when I saw the oh trailer. Oh my gosh, I think you so would very much alley. like it. Like, now that, like... Like just watch it. It's like it doesn't mean anything in the terms of in terms of film greatness, but it's like a really fun movie. Yeah, no, it's wonderful. Um, and I've seen I've seen Chris Pine act in person because I saw him in a play he did out here in L.A. Oh. Um, back around like the first Star Trek around there, he did a play called The Lieutenant of Inishmore. Did you and... know he was going to be a big hit then? What, did you was he already cast as as Star Trek? <clears throat> well, Star Trek had already come out. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I already really liked him, um, and he was fantastic, and so I just think, like, he has, like we said, the most range, the most acting talent, I think he's just, he is the best Chris. I'm also gonna, I'm gonna say it, I think he's also the most attractive Chris. I agree with you, on all counts. I think he has, like, the most rugged face of all the Chris's. Yes! He has something he interesting. classic, handsome, like, I feel like he could have come out of the, like, classic Hollywood. Mm-hmm. I I also, if you can't tell, I am in uh, total agreement with Anya that Chris Pine is the best Chris. I have been really interested in his work ever since actually Hell or High Water, and I was like, wow, he's actually a really talented, Oscar-deserving actor. I really think he should have gotten um, a nomination for that movie, at, at least. And uh, he impressed me even more with Into the Woods, and I found out he was a, a, hilarious. He was completely, he was so funny in that movie. And then Wonder Woman finally cemented that for me i mean and i fell head over heels for chris pine and um i think you can also uh talk go back to his uh single tear that he that fell down his face during the oscars after common john legend's rendition of glory as like the uh, the encapsulation of what makes chris pine so great so he's like he he's classically handsome he is incredibly good at harnessing his emotions and but he's also not afraid to be sensitive and that's why chris pine really just taps into the, the perfection of the chris like he's the so, ultimate yeah. chris so what we're saying here is he would be a very tender lover <laughs> yes be absolutely very tender and caring lover and i think as a person i'm also like he's also my favorite like person chris because like He's woke, just like Evans. Like, if you watch anything from the press store for Wonder Woman and how much he just praises Gal Gadot and, like, is talking about how great women are and, <clears throat> like, him crying at Glory and he talks about, like, diversity and representation. So he's also pretty woke. He went to Berkeley and has a degree in English. So I'm like, he's well-read. He's and we smart. can like He's smart. And then, like, he goes to interviews and he wears, like, cardigans instead of suits. And there was one time someone asked him, like, What's with all the cardigans and stuff? And his answer was just, I like to be cozy. <laughs> I like, also want to be cozy with him. With him. I just want to, like, sit and drink some tea and be cozy and talk about literature. 
while he strokes your hair. Yes, <laughs> and while he's a tender lover. He's even tempted Gal Gadot because there was that viral clip going around where they're doing an interview together, and she he was talking to the interviewer, and she was just, like, staring at him, and, like, she, like, bit her lip, and then she, like, had a sudden realization. She's like, wait, I'm married, and looked down. <laughs> I mean, can you blame her? No, I cannot blame her at all. So, yeah. he's, he's a wonderful Chris. Chris Pine is the best Chris. But- and but for some reason, like so, why do you guys think he's also like the most underrated? Or like when they do polls, he usually comes in last. Why do you think that is? Maybe I think it's because... it's because you've got Evans and Hemsworth who've been kind of doing. They've all they all, all so here's the weird thing like all the all, all four Chris's have pretty much had their breaks, their big breaks around the same time in terms of like people recognize them a lot more. So like you've got between the between 2009, which is also when Parks and Rec started, and 2011, which is when Thor and Captain America um, uh, premiered, you've got the emergence of all four Chris's doing their own things, and now they're all True. in the same movies. And so it's, but I think because he, because Pine pretty much either was playing Kirk or a uh, less than good. Uh, rom-com th- that he really hasn't been doing like more iconic stuff until recently with I'd say uh, Into the Woods and a- after that because I feel like now that he's they've he's got three Star Treks under his belt they're coming they're trying to do another one he's branching off and doing more things we're seeing like Hell in High Water was like like a watershed moment I feel like that's when people were like oh shit he could really act but not everyone um, saw Hell or High Water which is the problem that's true, yeah. but people are going to go back to him after seeing it. Yeah. other movies that he's doing and be like, oh, he's really good in this one. Yeah, I think it's definitely the MCU privilege uh, in that like, the Marvel movies are more widely like disseminated. More people go to see them. They're big event movies. And Star Trek is that to, to a lesser extent, in a sense. Right. It, it we've, seen Evans more... and Th- we've seen Evans and Hemsworth on screen in the same roles for like six times now mm-hmm. over the course of eight years. Yeah. And people will go see Star Trek movies, but not to the extent that they will go see the Marvel movies, uh, which is a shame because they're really great. Um, and I think at the same time, like like you said, will be people associate Evans and Hemsworth with their characters that they've played for like almost 10 years at this point. And, you know, Chris Pine, because he has so much range, he's not really associated with one single character anymore. I mean, he is, right. he is uh, Captain Kirk, but he's also... Um, the Prince Charming and in Into the Woods. He's also uh, Captain Steve Trevor. In, Trevor. Steve Trevor, I was about to say. Steve Trevor in Wonder Woman. He's also, uh, that. he also gives an amazing performance in Hell or High Water. So he's like... He's the sad dad in A Wrinkle in Time. He's a sad dad in A Wrinkle oh, in Time. I love he's his so sad in A Wrinkle dad. in Time. Uh, I just think that, oh, like, it's because means- he's more of an actor versus a movie star, a movie star I guess. In a sense, yeah, which I, is what, I think you're which right. Which is what I think we're seeing Chris Evans try to do is gonna is go back from being a movie star to being an actor or even a director, yeah. or something out of the limelight a little bit more. Because I feel like Chris Pine, Chris Pine doesn't have any social media, which I don't. It hasn't really been a factor, but like we don't really know a lot besides what we get in interviews. I think because uh, like Evans is on Twitter defending America against Nazis. You've got Hemsworth, um, like 
you know, posting pictures kind of, of his family on posting Instagram pictures of his family and being like doing like team Thor and team Daryl. Like that's fun. Um, so you've got like little viral moments with them, but you don't really have viral hits with Pine. Yeah. Cause he's not like you said, he keeps to himself, um, which is, I guess also part of his charm. He's mysterious. Yeah. He's an enigma to be unwrapped. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And I think on a final note, this one's for you, Willoughby. Pine is also the best daddy, Chris. Okay. <laughs> that's, uh, that's it for the Millennial Falcon. Uh, you can rate us on SoundCloud and listen to us on <laughs> iTunes and Google. Play. We have Good to. Night, All right, guys, we have to get to the last Chris before we spend another hour gushing about Pine because Pine is the best. I love him. And I love the whole episode to him. Yes, agreed. Pining for the Chris's. <gasps> Mm-hmm. <laughs> and one in particular <laughs> all right so last chris chris pratt i think he's a complicated man it's a complicated i think you might have been able to tell from this episode so far that chris pratt is probably all of our least favorite of the chrises i personally would even rate another chris above him and that would be chris messina who is a dreamboat in the Mindy Project. Have you seen I, that smile? Oh, that I guy. I will say, I saw Christmas Eve at the Tribeca Film Festival when I was going back and forth to my screenings. He was at my screening for Little Woods, I think. Um, and uh, I spotted him, and he was cool. He, I took a picture. Okay, <laughs> That's awesome. Him. Yeah, That's not awesome. with him. So like, I know he's not part, of the, not part of the Chris debate, but like... I would rank him above Chris Pratt personally. He also so we, throws off the whole hair color thing because they're all everyone else is like golden blonde and Christmas Eve like the dark sheep, literally with mm, his hair. He is. Let's, let's talk about Chris Pratt's career because it's interesting. It started. He did. He did. He did Everwood for four years. He was on Everwood. Let's He's talk about where this. his career really started. Yeah, which is Parks and Rec. Parks and Recreation. And see, where back, we all fell in love with him. Back in the Parks and Rec days, he would probably would have been our number one Chris. He I'd was say so likable. I still liked Pine and Evans. Yeah, yeah. Pine would still be. Yeah. Top but he was but so likable. He was just like us. He wasn't in shape. He was so he funny. Was, he was good and fat. Yeah, and again, not that like his body has anything to do with it. Because him losing weight for roles or for his own health or for his own personal reasons, like that's totally fine i for me that's never been really part of it but like he just he felt so much more accessible and nice when he was on parks and rec yeah he seemed like an ordinary dude yeah, yeah he, and wasn't, he, was, he wasn't a movie star and he was genuinely funny mm-hmm. like yes. andy dwyer is hilarious and he, a lot of his greatest moments are improvised by by a Chris Pratt. Like Leslie, the, uh, I typed your symptoms into the computer and it says you have network connectivity issues. <laughs> One the, of his best lines. <laughs> and like the blooper where he throws the briefcase and he like literally smashes the like light fixture. Like it's so funny. Classic. He had that it's perfect self-deprecating air and that kind of fearlessness when it came to comedy. Um, there's also another moment where he like. He surprised uh, Amy Poehler by like showing up like stark naked. Naked, yeah, oh, yeah. He didn't wear like the like the beige underwear like or anything he because didn't... it wasn't getting the the right reaction of, that they needed for like to open the door. And so he's like, "I'm just going to be naked," <laughs> and it worked. It worked. But he, like literally, he's his last name is Pratt. Pratt Falls. Like 
he's a perfect physical comedian. Until then, until he was cast in Marvel's The Guardians of the Galaxy. Anya's favorite movie. I'm going to say it here. Um, yep. uh, he got in shape, which is great. And then he became a big movie star, and he hasn't acted since. <laughs> nope. I will he say he actually has not acted. He actually gives a charming performance in Guardians of the Galaxy, the first one. You can see like the remnants of Andy Dwyer and his mm-hmm. charm and charisma and his self-deprecating like humor. Macklin, but he's a space space exactly. <laughs> and it was it was so successful that ever since then he's been trying to replicate that role as that to- sort of swaggering space pilot. Uh, Han Solo type, and there's I not think... even like, but like the the broad, uh, superficial, incorrect version of Han Solo. Exactly, and, like, because Peter Quill is nothing like Han Solo. Exactly. Put this right, on the record. True. I wanted to and get around that. Those rumors um, that he was going to be cast in the Han Solo prequel did not help either. I oh, think no, it helped. It boosted Indiana his Jones. ego. Yeah. Oh, Indiana Jones. I'm sorry. I think it boosted his ego a little bit. And then he went on to star in Jurassic World, where, like Willoughby said, he did not act for one second. He I'm... was just Google Google Earth, always taking pics. Stealing like... my line because that's what I, yeah. exactly what I said to Willoughby when he there's a scene where he walks into an elevator and just like poses and. <laughs> And I was like, oh my god, that's just what he's doing this entire film. He's posing and looking vaguely constipated half the time, just kind of squinting he's his eyes. Trying to do a weird Clint Eastwood, like, t- making his cheekbones look sharper than they are, and squinting, and then going like, yeah, these dinosaurs, you've got a big problem on your hands, lady. Like, it's he says lady so... way too many times for it to be Yeah, terrible. Yeah, I mean, also the fact that his character sucks in the Jurassic World movies. True. All I'm also characters. gonna say he's gonna suck in this movie. Yeah, all the, the characters in Jurassic World suck to be fair, but his yeah. in particular it was. But because bad. he's like the lead, it's like my my but my favorite, which is to say the worst, is the line where he's like staring out the window, and he just turns to Bryce Dallas Howard and goes, "You just went and made a new dinosaur. Probably shouldn't have done that." <laughs> And then it's like the main part of the trailer. And I'm like, that's such a terrible line. And, and he gives such a wooden performance. And the thing is, he has given the same wooden performance in every other movie since. You have The Magnificent Seven. Which I forgot he was in that he movie. Is, I'd say clearly, he's okay in that. He he's is a little clearly, more charming than usual. Yeah, but he's clearly outshined by everyone else in that movie. Like, you that's have Vincent D'Onofrio and Hawk. Denzel Washington and Ethan Hawke, who are yeah. like... Who are outshining him at every what, turn? What, what makes it, well? That's what makes Magnificent Seven so great is that you can have Chris Pine doing kind of his Chris Pratt level. Chris Pratt, sorry, How doing dare his, you. his his base level charm, but it's not comparison at all to what we get with the other ones, which I think works for the fact that it's an ensemble piece. When you have him only with Jennifer Lawrence in a movie, and, and it gets creepy. Yeah, can we talk about? And then we had the terrible passengers. Which I actually haven't seen yet. I actually so. haven't seen it yet either. But Neither, I know I don't really care because I've read it's terrible. It's, he's super creepy and it's awkward. And I honestly, it broke my heart that such a like a movie that is literally made for me. It's got Jennifer Lawrence, Chris Pratt. It's about space and they're falling in love with each other allegedly. And then when I found out about what it really was, the creepy which underpinnings. Which I guess there's creepy creepy underpinnings. Apparently, the the draft. The, the shooting script is a lot different than what what the, sh- the script was on the blacklist when it was like still like underdeveloped, uh, undeveloped I should say. Um, 
like they did a bunch of changes and it's like really like I've heard about what it's what it was supposed to be and I'd rather have seen that movie. Yeah. It's like it's interesting because his character is ultimately the villain in this movie in Passengers. Yeah. And I feel like that's the problem with Chris Pratt lately is that he's not willing to play a character who's anything else than the hero, anything other than the hero. He's not willing to play outside of that, you know, that gold standard of hero protagonist who maybe is a little snarky. And he's headcast himself, and he doesn't really feel like... I don't want to speak for him, but he doesn't see... He doesn't have the need to um, stretch his boundaries. And I think it's... his a lot of that stardom that people you know still love him for because he's still he's still like in his hot streak people like what he's doing so far um it's gotten to his head and he's become kind of a his ego has gotten bigger than his ability yeah and even then like playing the hero role like i think i'm gonna go on record and say that all three of the other chris's have played better heroes than Chris oh, Pratt, yeah. I think. Like, Steve Rogers, Thor, Pine, both as Kirk and Steve Trevor, are all better than the heroes we've seen Chris Platt, Pratt play over and over and over again. I'd, I'd say the best hero we've seen Chris Pratt play is one of the commandos in Zero Dark Thirty. I forgot. Oh, yeah, he was actually not bad in that. He and, uh, what's his face? Oh, Joel Edgerton. Joel like- Edgerton. Joel Edgerton, they're like brothers, and they like they're on the same unit, and then they go and uh, assassinate Osama bin Laden. Wait a minute, isn't the isn't fake Joel Edgerton also in that movie? Jason Clark plays one of the um, CIA agents. Yeah. Oh, wild. <laughs> fake Joel Edgerton. <laughs> I'm going to tweet Jason Clark with that. <laughs> Jason Clark and poor, Joel Edgerton poor man. Been in, the, in the same movie like three times. Yeah, like, poor Great man. Great Gatsby. Joel Zach, yeah. Uh, Zero Dark Thirty, and there, there's one other one. Yeah. Oh, fake. it was, um, oh, what's it called? Oh, 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 Jane got a gun. Yes, fake, fake Joel Edgerton. Tweet that. I don't mind. Joel Edgerton is the best, and I love him. I think um, Jason Clark is could, is underrated. He's a fine actor. He was great in, what's his, in the movie that we just saw. Uh, what's it called? Chappaquiddick? No, 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 the other one, the other one, the other one. Uh, Netflix movie. Oh, what's it called? Rachel Morrison did the DP for it. Mudbound? Oh, um, Mudbound. Yeah, Yeah. he was really good in that. I actually really want to see him in Chappaquiddick. This is not to say anything against Jason Clark. I think he is becoming a better actor in the movies that he's choosing lately. I just forever will fight for Joel Edgerton in Loving. The end. I understand that. Um, But yeah, so Chris Pratt, going back to this, (laughs) his career is boring. And for me, he's also become, we've discussed everyone's kind of personas, He's also become probably the most boring in-person Chris for me. Like, even watching the Infinity War press tour, like, he just had no energy for me compared to the other actors. And he hasn't really been doing it much for me. And you know what? His conservative beliefs put me off. And I don't care if people take a problem with that. If they're like, oh, whatever, like, he's an actor, blah, blah, blah. Well, you know, it's not that easy for me anymore. And someone who loves guns and stuff? Nah. Yeah. Me off. I agree with that. I don't think he's problematic as of yet, but he definitely his his sort of sort of foot in the mouth statements and kind of uh, conservative tendencies have put him lower on the list of the Chris's for me. And I think also his divorce with Anna with Anna Ferris. Anna Ferris. Anna Ferris. Anna Ferris. Yeah. Yeah. It. That was the one sort of last link to his really 
charming, lovable self before he became a massive movie star. And now that that's over, I feel like he's kind of floating off into the abyss of Hollywood stardom and being swallowed up by that star-making industry and is believing that he is part of that as well and is deserving of that. So uh, I still heart you, Anna Ferris, but Anna Ferris, great. She's amazing. Yeah. And so. the, but the thing is, like, his recent career hits, like, when I watch Parks and Rec, it hasn't, um, like, cheapened what he's doing. Andy yeah. Dwyer for you? Andy Dwyer. It hasn't cheapened Andy Dwyer. Andy Dwyer's like, still he classic. Was, before, ex- except for, like, the sixth and seventh season, he was always Fat Pratt. Um, and Fat Pratt is the best Pratt. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, why don't we give a vote for who our favorite Chris is in the Battle of the Chrises, the Chris Cross, the ultimate Christmas. Chris Fire. <gasps> the ultimate Christmas. We should have saved this for a Christmas episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think HT and I have already given away our votes, but I'm, I'm going to say mine again. Mine is forever and always Chris Pine. Mine is also forever and always Chris Pine and that single tear. Willoughby. I'm going to have to say Chris Evans. All, All right. right. Uh, he's a good choice. We are also going to put up a poll on our Twitter account for the best Chris. So please go vote in it. We want to know how you guys feel about the Chris's and where you guys stand. Um, and where you do you guys them, stand? Whether you want them all to just get along and join one big ultra boy band. The boy band will be called uh, Christmas. Yes. Every yes. every album they release will be a holiday Just album. A massive Christmas. Yeah. A massive Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's move on to the last segment of our episode. I really, 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 really like you. But I need to tell you something. I'm going to change things up and go first this week because I'm really excited about my really like. <laughs> uh, I really like the Harry Potter Hogwarts Mystery mobile game. So it's a game that you can download through the App Store on either iPhone or Android. And it's a really fun role-playing game where you create your own character and go through your own sort of um, arc and mystery in Hogwarts. It's not really related to Harry Potter because it takes place 10 years before the chosen one ever stepped foot into Hogwarts. So you see some of the familiar characters. So wait, it takes place in the 80s? It does take place in the 80s. Do we get like 80s hairstyles and stuff? There are some pretty bad fashions that you can choose from. Amazing. I'm not surprised it takes place in the 80s. I'm like, why are there so many like so does neon? It, and is like, Voldemort dead? Yes, Voldemort is dead at this point. It's just after, it's two years after Voldemort has been killed. Okay. Allegedly. So Harry's still just a little boy, um, but you see a lot of familiar characters at Hogwarts. You see Professor McGonagall, Professor Dumbledore, Professor Snape, Professor Flitwick, um, and then you also meet uh, a couple other uh, classmates who may be familiar to you, like Bill Weasley and Nymphadora Tonks, but that's not till later. Yeah, Bill! I, I, I see him in my character bank, but I don't get to meet him until like year three or four, and I'm so upset. Oh, and no. uh, you get to have your own sort of um, 
backstory too. So basically the backstory is that you have an older brother named Jacob who was expelled from Hogwarts for looking for something called the Cursed Vaults. And you have become kind of a pariah in this school because Jacob was not a was uh, left behind sort of a poisonous legacy for you. And it's up to you to sort of prove yourself as your own witch and or wizard. So, yeah, there's, like, the overarching mystery. It's not like every year you solve a mystery, but like the entire seven years you try to find out what the cursed faults are and maybe where is your brother. So, and and it's a lot of fun. Like, the overarching mystery is pretty strong and compelling enough to keep me playing despite a lot of the frustrations I have with the game itself. And basically the big frustration is that it's very much a mobile game. It's not something to be made to be played for like hours on end because it basically prevents itself from being played like that through something called microtransactions in which um, you maybe like you run out of energy, which is the prime thing that you need to, to put to um, pull off tasks, like anything like as in just like do going through a class or looking for clues or something, you need energy to do it. And you run out usually like midway through and you either need to wait uh, like hours until your energy refills up or you have to buy more energy through the app, which is very frustrating and annoying. But I have discovered the clue and it's to basically like play for the 15 or so minutes when you can really play and then like do other tasks maybe actually do work because (laughs) sometimes I yeah working at home it has given me the ability to work to play it while I'm working and then I'm like okay this is not letting me play anymore so I'm gonna actually do some work right now fair enough and or when you're recording a podcast if you want to play a game like that I would recommend Animal Crossing Pocket Camp where you can play a lot longer but there's still like a point where the game basically just tells you you have nothing else to do go do something else yeah <laughs> stop but, looking at your phone but it doesn't have hogwarts in it hogwarts. true but it does have anthropomorphic animals yeah that is pretty cool so what year are you in hg i'm in year two right now and this so one... how long have you been playing the game uh since saturday so it only took you like a week or so to get through your first year. Yeah, but I've also been playing kind of obsessively. One time, <laughs> one time I was able to, uh, I started playing like an eight-hour task at like midnight. And I was like, oh, I, this is a good, actually, I can like start it at like 1 a.m. And I'll wake up and like all my energy help will have been recharged and I can finish this task when I wake up. <laughs> so it's like that kind of weird timing and stuff. Uh, your life kind of becomes a series of just like, wasting your time and do trying to do trying to fill your time as you're waiting for your energy on harry potter hogwarts mystery to fill it's basically what my dad likes to describe every like theme park uh you hurry up and wait hurry up and wait essentially uh it's fun but the mystery has deepened now because uh one of my classmates has disappeared mysteriously oh lord oh my are they in the cursed vaults we don't know yet so it's fun they have they even brought back some of the voice actors or some of the actors from the uh the franchise to voice some of the characters do like little mm, mm, and like random phrases like uh uh dame maggie smith for mcgonagall and uh, michael gambin for for Dumbledore. i know it was amazing so it's a lot of fun uh i recommend it (laughs) they yeah exactly I recommend it if you're willing to, if you have a lot of patience. So, and you love Harry Potter. And you love Harry Potter. So, Anya, what's your really like this week? My really like is Janelle Monae's new album, Dirty Computer. Ah! It's so good. 
so good. It's her third studio album, and it's very different from her first two. Um, it feels like a much more personal, identity-based album, um, and she's talked about it. It's intended for women and women of color, queer women, the LGBTQ community, and she's talked about this. She she made this album for them and for herself, as she is part of those communities, and it really feels like it, and it's so exciting to have something that feels like it was like for you and that you can really relate to. And the music is also just really good. Janelle Monet is insanely talented and I just adore her. And I love this album already and I can't stop listening to it. And I'm seeing her in concert when she goes on tour for her dirty computer tour. So I'm seeing her in June when she comes out to LA. Um, and I just, I love having, I feel like we're kind of, in a moment of getting more explicitly like queer music between like her and Haley Kyoko and Troy Sivan, who just released a song about bottoming during sex. Oh my. Legitimately his new song is about that. Like there's no other way called, to, to shield it. Nope. It's called, it's called bloom. Um, and he said it huh? and it's great. And so I just feel like this is kind of like a new, a new venue we've always had music but i feel like lately we've been getting more music that is just out and proud and that's really exciting but janelle monet is just killing it right now i love her awesome all right willoughby what is your really like this week my really like this week is uh tabletop podcasts Ooh. Um, And I kind of mentioned this before, uh, The Adventure Zone from the McElroy brothers, uh, their season two, like prime season two, uh, they had been doing a couple mini arcs between season one and season two is back. Um, they're, they're actually picking up, uh, season two in full from one of the mini arcs that they were doing. So it's a fun little, like, uh, thing. It's very similar to Gravity Falls, um, where there's like cryptids and Americana, um, and small town, Twin Peaksness, uh, and it's so good. Um, they're t- with with the mini arc. They're on like episode eight, but without the mini arc, they're on like episode three. Because um, it's a separate like adventure, same character. So like you get more backstory if you watch the, if you listen to the mini arc. And plus, I discovered recently by seeing a conversation on Twitter between two of my friends that apparently there's a a a, a real play uh, tabletop podcast of about Star Wars. And Ooh. somehow no one notified me, and it's been running for three years. Um, <laughs> it's, it's called the Campaign Podcast, and it's basically I'm only three episodes in, but there's like seventy plus episodes. Um, and it's they take the uh, Edge of the Empire tabletop game, which is like officially Lucas Lucas Books Lucas Art um, official tabletop game, and you basically play like the Star Wars version of D and D, and it's really fun because they have like local chicago voice actors playing um characters it's kind of like critical role and uh the adventure zone but it's star wars so it's like real up my alley it's a real niche alley but it's it's my alley um (laughs) and so they're great they're both great they're both fun a lot of good character moments so table uh, uh, real play uh tabletop podcasts nice all right well that is our episode Come chat with us about the best Chris's and who your favorite is and vote in our Twitter poll once we get it up. And you can also chat with us about the new Harry Potter mobile gaming, mobile game, um, or Janelle Monae's Dirty Computer, or tabletop podcasts like the campaign. 
And where can they do that, Willoughby? You can find us on Facebook if you search for us there. We're also on Twitter at Falcon Podcast. Our blog is millennialfalconpodcast.wordpress.com. We're also on iTunes and Google Play and SoundCloud where you can rate, review, and subscribe to us all there on different places. So please do that. And where can they find you guys? You can find me on Twitter at htranbui. You can find me on Twitter at Anya Crittenton. And you can find me at Willby Dobbs on Twitter. All right, thanks for joining us, guys. Bye.